Hello. Welcome to Auto Off Topic. How are you, Brad? I'm well, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today. Excellent. I well heard hear it. that uh, your Crescent arrived. Uh, I'm assuming that you heard and saw pictures and are yeah, more like you've been just like I am. Yeah, more like you've been doing some real thirsty posting about it. Absolutely. No shame whatsoever. Actually, no, I only posted twice, which is pretty good, I think, uh, considering I'm all excited and want to post like a thousand pictures, but I did not. I posted two separate posts and uh, they've both been staying active on like the top of like the Facebook feed because people keep commenting. So that's not my fault. We've seen it more than twice. I've only posted it twice. So, but I'm super excited because I missed the car tremendously and it's back. So can't, it does. Uh, can't complain. It does look pretty. I is the other than the door you're talking about is that the paint is as nice as you expected it to be. It's better than I expected. I expected it to be awful. That was my expectation. I put on it for myself because I knew, you know, I know what happens when people paint cars. They go in and they get a quote for a good paint job, and it's ten grand, and they leave, and they go down the street and get a quote for fifteen hundred, and it's awful. So this is somewhere in the middle of those two. It's not a cheap, terrible paint job, but it definitely isn't the best paint job. Um, I think the biggest issue is. There were a couple of minor dents in the car that you could not see very well with the original paint because it was not quite as glossy. Oh, it was flat. It was totally yeah. flat. So now that the guys have painted a glossy color, the couple of little dents show up a little more. So I've, I've gone to a couple of events with the car and a bunch of people have seen it. And the majority of them tell me that I'm crazy and it doesn't matter. But I see them. <laughs> so yeah, I know they were like, there. Yeah, but they're like PDR type dents. Most of them I could probably get PDR'd out. Um, a couple of them I'm nervous because of, I don't know what the bodywork situation was at any given time on the car. Oh, right. So I don't want to start doing some PDR and crack some filler somewhere because then I'm in a whole situation for painting again. So the, the big issue is at, at some point the car got hit on the passenger's door and the door was repaired and repainted after the whole car was painted and it does not look good. The Bodywork is questionable. The paint is not the same color. Um, it's just not, it's not good. It's actually, it's really bad. <laughs> so, and I've had people actually, you know, say it's fine, but they're not, they're not correct. I'm sorry. I could see it in the picture. Um, so it's your buddy, Michael out there. Yeah. Uh, no, Aaron took the picture. Yeah. My friend Aaron took the picture. Michael hasn't even seen the car yet, so. Okay, I'm then um, confusing. You're confusing two different people. So the guy who does the Arizona Classic uh, Classic Japanese Car Club, Aaron took a picture of it, and you can see the color difference in the door in that picture. So. All right, I'll look it up later. That's fine. Prove you wrong, but. You won't, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was like really noticeable. I was like, oh, okay, I see what he's talking about. It's kind of like a, it's almost like yellowish. Yeah, I would say in person it's more green. Okay, it's got yeah, a lot green more yellow. Green it. yeah. It's like weird. But so yeah. it was the same exact color, like same color code, but it was so like a it's, base coat clear coat? It's base coat clear coat. It was punched up a little bit. The car was originally a base coat clear coat. It was not a oh, okay. no clear coat car. A lot of the metallic colors, even back into the 70s, were uh, base coat clear coat. All right, so right, right. it's got a clear coat on it. Um, 
but the color they put on the car is a little punched up. It's not exact. It's very close, but they made it, they took it like a couple of notches brighter. So actually, you know, I'll, I'll lean right into that story, I guess. I went and met up with a body guy yesterday um, who's pretty well known for uh, doing good body work and good paint work in the area. Actually, speaking of, of Mike, he has the Miata. His name is uh, Laserhawk on Instagram. Um, his He does all his paint work and he's done some like panel painting, like not blending into adjacent panels. And his Miata is a very difficult to match blue and he did a very good job. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to this guy and uh, talk about getting the, getting the door fixed. So I went over there yesterday after work and he's stoked to work on the car, which is something you obviously want to have in a guy doing work in your car. Somebody who's actually excited about working on vintage stuff. So he's excited yeah. to work on it. Uh, he actually mixed up some paint before I got there to the factory paint code. And it was just, it's way more silver. So we pulled out his uh, paint chip books. We found the best, you know, closest actual color in the paint library that it would be a blendable match at worst case, or if he can make it match perfect, maybe he can even panel paint it without having to blend the fender and the rear door. So we went through that. We uh, struck up a price that I'm happy with and uh, I'm going to drop it off in a week to get fixed. So at least it won't be too, too much time of having an awful color door. I didn't even notice that the tint is like very light. It's a very light tint. I don't like tint on old cars. I've said that a thousand times. What I do like, though, is the UV protection that tint offers as far as the interior goes. I don't even notice it on this car, honestly. In person, you can see it. There's no question it's there. Uh, it's I, I don't know what the percentage is of it, but it's a very light tint. So when I owned the car previously, it had a very 80s kind of bluish, Purple. purplish not super dark tint, but definitely tint on the windows. And I always meant to remove it and never got around to it. So apparently when I sold it, the person I sold it to had the same thoughts. So he pulled off the old tint and he had it redone in a, a very tasteful. It's almost like a gray, like a light gray versus a black. It doesn't, it's not obvious. And living here in Phoenix, it'll be good for the interior and good for the driver. So I, do, I, do I just, like it. I just like it because. I don't know, too much glass for me it kills the look of a car. See, I'm the exact opposite. One thing I love about yeah, old but, cars is I love the tall greenhouse. And I love the airiness and all the light coming in. Yeah, see, I don't like that because whenever you would see a car in a magazine um, or, you know, an advertisement, the windows are tinted. Yeah, well. In a video game, they're always, they're always dark. So, like, that's just, to me, how a car should look. Here's my thing with tinted windows. I have a, a almost, it's almost like a simple rule. If the car has chrome window frames, I'm not a fan of tint. If the car has black window frames, I don't care what you do. I think that's where, where it is. I think that that chrome versus black window frame makes a big difference because when you have the body color of the car and then the chrome and the black window, it just looks unfinished to me. I don't like it. But I can live with the tint on the Cressida because it's so light. So, in fact, I was talking to a gentleman the other day who has a 71, 71 Celica Coupe, like a fully restored, beautiful car. And we were talking about dashboards and keeping them nice, keeping them, keeping them nice in the Phoenix sun. 
Uh, and he actually has, and I didn't even know his car was tinted. And he was talking about like this ultra UV stuff he bought. That's like, you know, 1.5% tint. It's not very strong or whatever the opposite is. The higher the number of the, the letter it is, right? Uh, yeah. So it's like a 99 it's, or 98.5% tint. Yeah, it's, it's light transmission. Yeah. But it has like a huge amount of UV blocking. So that doesn't get any, all it gets is the sun, but none of the actual UV, you know, the, the harmful rays of the sun don't go through the glass. So I just like something just to, just to tone down the amount of glass sometimes. Like, mm. speaking I, I of like a, like a car with a chrome, like it would just be a very light smoked tint. Which is what the Cressida has, and I can live with it. So yeah, unless, I don't like really, doing blackout limo tint on it you need just like a smoked tint just it it finishes the car for me the cars look unfinished with just i think it glass. depends on the car and and that's plus I, vintage glass doesn't have a tint to it to begin with right so because right, a lot totally of you don't clear. yeah people don't realize that like a lot of glass in cars has like a blue tint to it yeah well the most obvious one is to look at any picture of a Late 80s to mid 90s GM minivan, the Dustbuster vans, they call them. They have that huge windshield. And if you look at it, you can see it almost looks gold in every picture. You made, a tes- they- you made a Tesla? Uh, no, Teslas are less obvious than these. These are the most obvious ones to look at. It's a very, it's it's a, it's an actual um, polarized windshield. Yeah. It's very obvious in the pictures. So even more so than Teslas. I know you're talking about Teslas, but the these 80s, 90s vans are very similar. So, but yeah, so the car is, it's better than I expected. I already knew the door color was going to be off. Um, I wasn't quite sure how far off until I saw it with my own eyes and I nearly had a heart attack. But it's going to get taken care of, so I'm not tremendously worried about it now. Um, there were a few other issues with the car that I do have to deal with. Um through no fault of the guy I bought it from, but the previous owner, so the guy I sold it to, uh, it went to Miami, and uh, car culture in Miami is interesting. It's all about being flashy and bright, I think, more than anything else down there. So, you know, again, the color was kicked up a couple of notches, probably, you know, it was painted Miami. That's kind of the, kind of the scene. But then a stereo was added, which is not perfect. And yeah. all of the bulbs in the car were turned to LEDs. So that kind of ruins the look of the car a little for me as well. But it's not a permanent fix, obviously. I just need to repair some wiring because they had your favorite setup on all the places they put LEDs. Yeah. They put these like ballast pieces in them. And to wire in the ballast pieces, they use those like vampire clips. Mm. Oh, yeah, my favorite. Yeah, so I'm going to have to at least either heat shrink wrap or... Um, no, no, you just use um, just pull them off and use liquid electrical tape. Liquid electrical tape on the whole? Or even, um, I think it's basically almost the same thing as like a, a clear nail polish. Okay. But I don't know if that would flex enough, but I know some people do use that. But you can get different, I think, different colors of... Uh, Liquid electrical tape, but that'll do the same thing. All right. Well, I'll, I'll do that on all the on all the LED instead lights. Of, so instead of cutting things and sliding, 
Well, the problem is it's already probably possibly cut from those vampire clips, right? Do they, they don't pierce the wire all the way through? No, they're not I supposed to. I haven't looked yet. So the only well, ones I ever played so the only ones I ever played so far are the uh, license plate bulbs because they did not work at all when I got the car. So if if you could get ones that were warm in color and not blue, I'm fine with them. That's the thing. It's that they're is that they're blue, like white, like pure white. Yeah. That's what makes them look weird. Well, the one thing I I do like about them, which I'm not going to have when I change them over. Um, in the front marker lights, so it's got the marker lights and turn signals are the same light. Yeah. So it'd normally be like a regular dual filament bulb and you put a yellow bulb in there and it lights up yellow. And then when it flashes, it flashes brighter. So the LEDs that are in there actually light up in a white color, which you're talking about looks bad in an old car. But when they flash, they flash yellow, which is neat. But obviously I can't have that with standard bulbs. That's weird. So yeah, it, it was, it was neat to see, but I don't want it. <laughs> Yeah, if you can, like, I'll pop them in, like, the 194 spots on cars because it's annoying to have a bunch of cars and then have a bunch of 194s that go bad every couple right. of years. So you just pop them in there and you don't you don't even know because they're just on. There's running lights. They don't okay. flash or anything. Plus, they're behind colored glass, so you don't notice. Um, but, yeah, in, like, a license plate light, definitely instead of, like, a... I'm actually looking at one on my desk I, I used for my my hatch area in my uh, all track, but it's cool white, but you want like a warm white. It's the same thing like yeah. in your house. When you put LEDs in, if you don't get the warm ones, you're like, oh, yeah. this looks terrible. Yeah, it looks sterile. It's like an operating room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't want that. And it just doesn't look right for an old car. And the same with the headlights. Like uh, sealed beam conversions are fine. Yep. I don't, L- LEDs in... A sealed beam, like, just don't look good at all. So this this car, it has a sealed beam conversion. They're actually Hellas, so that's actually yeah. good. But then it has LED H3 bulbs inside the sealed beam conversion. Which probably don't work right. It does. For, it, it literally throws, like, an actual cone of light in front of the car where the headlights are. And it doesn't do what I want it to do. <laughs> so I'm going to be replacing those. I'm, I'll certainly keep the Hella, you know, uh, glass conversions. Yeah, just throw some silver stars in there. And I'll just put some normal bulbs in there, exactly. So that'll make a huge difference in the front of the car. Um, The one thing I did already change because they didn't work was the license plate lights. So when I went to, when I got the car, they didn't work at all. So it's, you know, it's it's a typical 70s Japanese car. You have to pull the whole light housing off and then split the light housing to get to the bulbs because they're inside the housing and you can't access them without pulling the whole car apart. So I pulled them off and I put in... The regular bulbs, which are actually a bulb I don't ever I've never used before. It's an eighty nine is the bulb number. So it has a base like a twenty fifty seven, but the actual glass part is almost the same size as the base. Weird, it's a weird little small light. Yeah. So anyway, so I put those in, and I plugged it all in, and I turned the car lights on, and they didn't light up. Still, I was like, okay, that's weird. So then I put them back on the, on, you know, I went back to check them out again and I was kind of messing with one of them and it flicked on and off. I was like, okay. So when they painted the car, I guess there's supposed to be a ground behind the lights, but they painted right over the grounds. So they didn't have any kind of continuity in order to work. So I was like, all right, that's cool. So I plugged everything back in. I, I created new little leads instead of scratching through the paint. 
I off the back of the thing, I took a like a six inch length of wire from either side and ran it down to an already a known good ground inside the car, just so I have you know nice solid ground for the lights. Not worrying about the the housings created in the ground. I made their own ground through the wire connection for the bolt in the back of the car. So and now that works great. So then, <clears throat> excuse me, I still only had one working, and I couldn't figure out why because I'd only replaced the one bulb so far. So the other side, one of the LEDs was bad. So I would have been chasing that forever had I not just gone ahead and changed the bulbs anyway. So thankfully with the new number 89 bulb, it worked right away. So there was no, no issue, but it would have been frustrating trying to figure out why lights didn't work when one of the LED bulbs itself was actually bad. That's the other problem. When people do these LED bulb conversions, they don't buy the best LED bulbs in the market. They buy whatever they can get cheap on eBay usually. So yeah. I'm sure there, there's no brand name on them. They just, they look cheap, they feel cheap, and I just don't want them on my car. <laughs> so I've replaced those. I replaced the taillight bulbs because it had LED taillight bulbs, um, which were very bright, but when they lit up in the housing, you could see the bulb. So instead of filling the housing with light, it just lights up mostly where the bulb is. And it might be brighter overall, but it actually, I think it's less visible because the actual light that you're drawn to is smaller. So mm-hmm. I got rid of I got rid of those and I put, you know, standard bulbs in there cuz the other thing is the LED bulbs they just shot light backwards. They didn't shoot light into the housing whereas a standard taillight bulb the whole, you know, glass part of the bulb lights up so that the chrome reflective housing in the back actually reflects the light through the whole assembly. You, know, you can't just put an LED rear-facing bulb in that and have it be the same. It just looks like a little red dot on the back of the car. Right. So I got rid of those because those are bad um, and put in standard bulb bulbs. You know? Yeah, that sounds like a cheap one because if you buy the more expensive ones, you go with like Sylvanias or something, They're they're now they're round. Yeah, these were not round. Yeah. So anyway, I don't like them, so they're gone. It looks much better now. It looks like it belongs. I still do the front of the car. I said I got to change the headlight bulbs over, and those uh, marker lights inside the the marker slash turn signal housings. So, you know, it's funny. I spent a bunch of time making sure that my old cars had nice lights in them, and then I realized that I hardly ever drive them at night now. Well, like, every night hardly night. ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm literally trying to think of the last. I haven't driven the Talon at night in. Probably a year. What was the last time you drove the Talon? Last summer. Yeah. Period. End of story. (laughs) Let alone at night. I haven't driven the Talon at night in a while. I I think I probably drive my old cars a little more than you do. Um, So I do wind up being out at night with them sometimes. Um, I still like to take like nighttime drives. Just, you know, leave in the middle of the night and go for a drive because there's nobody on the roads. (laughs) So I do have that... uh, I do use my headlights and, and, and lighting on cars pretty often. So so the other thing in the car um, that needs to be attended to is the radio. So I don't know if you remember, Andrew, when I had the car. It had like a mid-90s Toyota Camry radio in it. I don't remember that. All right. So I had a mid-90s doubled-in Toyota Camry radio. The dash is not cut, but the center console is. It's a small piece of console that they cut to fit the doubled-in radio. So it doesn't look great, but it doesn't look bad either. It could it could have been worse, but also could have been better. So the guy who I sold it to was obviously a stereo guy too, because it has now 
uh, double din pocket. So the bottom is a pocket and the top is the single din radio. And he took, so somebody in the eighties replaced the door speakers. I'm sure you remember it had those like very period correct JVC door speaker covers. Yeah. So it still has those, but he took the speakers out and he put brand new pioneers in. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the back, somebody put uh, like six by nines in the rear shelf at some point in the eighties. So he took those out, didn't cut any more of the car. So it still looks like it was very done in period, but replaced those with new six by nine pioneer three ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were two speakers in the dash that he replaced with pioneers. And there's this giant subwoofer box in the trunk. Oh, and on top of the subwoofer box is an amp and then something else that I don't know even what it is because I don't know car stereos. And on the side of the box is a, a giant capacitor that has digital numbers on it. So it sounds cool. Don't get me wrong. I feel like a high school kid driving around with my stereo, you know, bumping in my trunk. But uh, it's not really my style. <laughs> and the worst part about it is the box is so big. And it fits, it fits pretty much up against the back seat. So it doesn't actually come. So if you open the trunk lid, the it's almost flush with like the the rain tray on the behind the window. So it doesn't come into the trunk compartment that way. But the problem is it's so big that the bottom of it goes where the spare tire is. So the solution when they put the stereo in was to take the spare tire off the wheel and put the wheel back in with no spare tire on it and then put the box in. So it's like a temp wheel with no tire on it? Well, it wouldn't be a temp wheel because it's a 70s car. So it was just another... The car came factory with steelies and hubcaps. So it's a factory Toyota steel full-size wheel with no tire on it. Uh The box fits down in the channel where the tire would normally be. So that is not acceptable, obviously. (laughs) So I'm not genuinely concerned about it around town. Uh, worst case scenario, you know, I do have roadside assistance and I have other cars here at the house that are four on one fourteen point three. So if I needed, you know, somebody to run a tire down to me, I could do that. Um, but ultimately I'm going to change that because I don't need two 10 inch subwoofers in my trunk. That's, you know, I don't mind having some, a nice sounding stereo, but I don't need to, you know, rattle the hinges loose. Right. So I was talking to, uh, Naomi's son, Jordan, who's a big car stereo guy. And I was like, listen, here's what we got. And he's looking at everything. He's like, well, it's all pretty high quality components. There's no, like, no shortcuts are taken except for the spare tire part. He says, but the capacitor is kind of an outdated thing. He's like, I don't even use those. He goes, what happens is they actually draw more power because they, they're always charging themselves off of the alternator. It's like, so you don't really, you don't really need them anymore. It's like the way they cut the stereos are, it's kind of unnecessary and it actually puts a heavier draw in your system. I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I will give you all of the components in this car and you make me a small little box that goes in the corner so I can still have a little bit of the bass sound, but it won't be intrusive. And we call it even. And he's like, all right, cool deal. So he's going to take all the stereo out of the car and I'll uh, just get a small little Thing for a little bit of sound without being an obnoxious teenager, you know what I mean? So sure, it's already there. The wiring's already there. I might as well use it. All right, you know the car's not hacked up. It does sound good. You know, nobody's to... judging you for this. I nobody cares. No, I know. I'm just saying that's. I, I don't need 
two 10 inch subwoofers in my trunk. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's too much. <laughs> I just want to have a nice sounding stereo. So he's going to take care of that. Well, it's useful to have a trunk if you want to go places with the car. Well, the trunk is so big that, that even with these two 10 inch subwoofers in the trunk, it's still a bigger trunk than say the Colt. So, or even your Galant. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty generous, generously large trunk. So the cool thing is the car came, it, it's, it's, it's like nothing ever happened to the car except for the paint job because the car yeah. came back to me. It still has a mass inspection sticker on the windshield. Weird. The center console still has my stuff in it that I've forgotten in the car. Like Weird. it has my business cards from back in the day. It has my old phone charger. It has, you know, you know, my registration. It, it, it's just, it's bizarre to me, all the stuff that's in there and in the trunk. It still has like all of the extras that I sold with the car are still in a box in the trunk. Like Weird. the factory, the manufacturers like sales brochure that was in the car and the car cover and I don't know, some of the tune up parts that I had spares lying around. Like it's almost like I never sold the car. Yeah, but it has coilovers now though, doesn't it? It does have coilovers. Actually, I haven't even gotten out of the car really to investigate because it looks really good. It probably should. Um, but when I sold the car in the trunk, it had T3. So it's techno toy tuning out of, I think, Washington or Oregon. They're in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. They specialize in Toyota suspension, mostly like E86s and you know that kind of stuff for drifting. But they yeah. also make Cressida parts. So it had the, had the whole kit of T3 stuff. So it had the camber plates for the front, the ground control coilovers, the new strut inserts, um, and it had a panhard bar for the rear and the coilovers, the ground control coilovers for the rear. So it was a solid rear axle, so it wouldn't have any kind of camber things to the rear, just the panhard bar and the springs, or the coilovers, I should say. Um, and that's all been installed in the car. So that's cool. Because <laughs> again, I sold it with it in the trunk, so... I'd never gotten around to installing. Yeah, it. I don't know why it, never is. Put it in. It was a different time in my life, Andrew. We discussed that before. <laughs> I was lucky to have put that motor back together in that car. I mean, it looks way better. It looks way better. Like, it looks really good. It's actually, it's lower than I would have made it, but now I'm in love with how low it is. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, your roads are pretty clean out there. I would just leave it. Well, you have a lot of speed bumps, though. As long as you don't hit any pallets. Like we have, yeah, exactly. We have a lot of speed bumps in neighborhoods, which is annoying. And we have a lot of drainage ditches. So I just got to be aware. So it looks pretty good. The The lowest part of the car is where, like the radius rods are in the front where they mount into the chassis. Mm-hmm. That's probably the lowest part. And actually, I can't even get in my driveway straight. I have to go in at an angle. Oh, they scrape. <laughs> so it's almost like if you came up with like a... Sterlin skids or something mm-hmm. you can mount. Like little rollers? The rollers are just a block of Durlin that was like yeah, uh, I, chamfered, so it would just hit and just slide on the Durlin. I'm probably going to put something under the car as far as a skid plate goes, just because the oil pan is right there. Um, it doesn't hang lower than those two points. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's right there. <laughs> and I don't want it to... It's unprotected, pretty much. Oh, excuse me. I mean, yeah, it definitely looks good. You just need some, uh, need some, uh, Prop wheels. Mode no wheels. 
Maybe. I, I did learn that those wheels you have are very popular in the Toyota crowd, actually. So oh, they're, all right. they're super popular on early 80s. Um, TE72, I think is the chassis code, for the early 80s Corollas. All right. And the 510 guys both have, uh, both love those wheels. Well, I got to find some so, people to sell them to then. There's your, there's your marketing right there, I think, is the 510 guys and the, and the Corolla guys. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, a couple other things about the car before we move on. They did, I was nervous that it was overheating again because when I remember when I got the car, it was overheating all the time. We diagnosed yeah. it as a bad head gasket. We did, took the head off, had the head sent out and redone and did a head gasket with the car right together and it seemed okay. But mm-hmm. I never really got to drive it much after that. Yeah. Um, so I was a little nervous that it was still having an overheating problem because when I got it, there was a new fan in the trunk and there was a new thermostat in the trunk and there was a new water pump gasket in the trunk. Oh. Um, but it turns out that the person who bought it in Florida actually installed electric fans. Okay. So he took off the clutch fan and that whole assembly and added a electric fan and how and uh, shrouds to the to the radiator. And they look really good. The install is like if if you didn't know they didn't belong there, you probably wouldn't even say anything. So, and the car is so much quieter than it used to be with that electric, with that clutch fan on there. Because it was, you know, almost always spinning, and it just made a ton of noise, and the car is like, yeah, it sounded like a Cessna taking off, right? Yeah, the car is so quiet now. Like that big inline six is just like super smooth, super quiet. There's no, no drama at all, and I forgot how apt actually like fairly quick this car was compared to my other vintage cars. You know, the car only weighs less than three thousand pounds. You know, and it's got probably. I don't know what 160 horse probably I guess, 170 maybe. Oh, that's sure, that big maybe. six. <laughs> uh, but it's just it's 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 surprisingly quick compared to like the Colts or possibly even the Eclipse. <laughs> so it's uh, it moves along pretty good. Um, so yeah, the fan is new, and the only really questionable thing that I had to change right away was somebody installed an inline tranny filter in the car. So between the transmission and the tranny cooler that's in the radiator, somebody put a little inline filter in there and it was literally zip tied to the front sway bar, which is not ideal because it hangs pretty low and I don't want to smash the transmission cooler on the ground or filter on the ground. So that uh, got moved and for now it's zip tied up further out of the way. I need to uh, get under the car and measure out the lines and just buy some new lines and bypass it altogether. I don't know why it would be there. There's a filter in the transmission. I don't think the inline filter is really necessary for this car. And there's not really a space for it unless I ran lines up higher and around something because the only it's always going to hang down low. And I don't think that's a good plan for longevity or long road trips. And I do plan on taking the car to California for, if not Toyota Fest in a couple of months, then definitely JCCS. So try to make it as reliable as possible and remove any failure points like that. Cool. I'm excited. 30 minutes of crust to talk later. Sorry about that, but I'm no, the car looks good. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm into it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Huge. So we actually have a uh, four till four event coming up this weekend. It's their shakedown Saturday. 
and a bunch of the the uh, local Japanese classic group is uh, meeting up super early in the morning and all caravanning over together. So it should be good. Cool. Anyway, that's right. about me. Have you worked on a car at all? Uh, I haven't actually. Oh. Um, just been. No, we had to. Back to the crest. Yeah. <laughs> no, the um, the kitchen project that would never end, but I think it's end. I think it's over. Well, I mean, the least. kitchen itself has been done for a while. You just had to extend the flooring up the hallway, right? Yeah, and the the tiles, a couple tiles came loose. A couple tiles, right? I'd say like eight came loose. It was mm-hmm. just a a weird install, but the the guy came and fixed it, and then I paid him to extend it to the front door. Right. Uh, and it actually looks a lot better. It's weird. I have tile issues in my house too. And it's extra bizarre because they've been down since like, I think the house was built in 78 and it's yeah. never been an issue. And I don't know if maybe I'm just the fattest guy to ever live here, but every now and then I've stepped on a couple of tiles in between the back door and the garage door and they've cracked. Oh, weird. Yeah. Also, uh, makes you feel really bad, right? <laughs> it makes me feel like I should not have eaten lunch that day. Yes. But, yeah, I don't understand. I don't know if it's not like there's any moisture here. So the only thing I can think of is maybe the house, the foundation has cracked underneath maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how houses in Arizona are built. I do know that my feet miss New England houses. Why? Well, because New England houses are all elevated. Yeah. So the floors have give. So oh, you don't yeah. notice that when you're living there, how much the floors move, but they support you as you're walking. Whereas here, you know, the house is built on a slab and that's tile on top of slab. So I find myself like if I, if I walk around like barefoot or in socks, my feet are sore pretty quickly just because there's no like support. It's like yeah, walking around on a pavement in your bare feet. Yeah, toughen you up, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But I just wear flip-flops around the house because I need to not hurt my feet. So that's one thing I, I've, I've noticed here is, you know, I, again, just used to living in houses that have multiple floors and are built elevated a little bit, not just concrete slabs and tile. So oh, I know it was a mess to fix them. That like, but they were pretty loose. Like, I don't know. It's, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> no more flooring. I got to finish the bamboo floor in the front, but that goes fast. Okay. And I and I've done so much of that now that it's it's easy. Um but well, I'll be there. I'll be there in a month. I expect good flooring in your house when I come visit. Oh, I can literally get the area that's done once I I get it set up. It'll take me like a couple nights. All right, excellent. Um, but no. I haven't done I haven't done much of the cars. I've been meaning to and I just didn't get to it. Uh what I was doing last weekend. Let's <laughs> do something else. <laughs> and uh, I just didn't get to it. But yeah, because I got to do brakes on Stephanie's car. I have those. Um, I want to clean the tone rings I keep talking about on the G20. Yep. And uh, I haven't even looked at the Q45 yet. And then the weather's been up and down. I'm like, oh, I should pull the glant out. But then it's like, because it'll be nice for like a couple days. And then finally it's going to rain again because we actually need some rain. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get to those. So I got a work trip coming up. So I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> see Oof. what I can do. Busy man, busy man. All right. So we uh, asked questions today on our Instagram, Facebook page. 
we asked a question and then asked four questions, but everybody skipped that part where we asked four questions and they answered that question. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's possible that not many people saw it either. Cause who knows these algorithms stink. Yeah, they really do. Um, one question before we get into our question that I did see asked was if you find your dream car at a killer price, but you had to compromise on one aspect, like it being an auto instead of a stick, would you still get it? So like, so you always wanted a first gen NSX and you've always been dreaming about it. Always wanted one picturing yourself growing through the gears in the mountains of New Hampshire. And then you find one for sale you can afford and it's automatic. Would you still buy it? Mm, they even come in automatic? Well, oh, 100% they did. Oof. So it's got to be like a smoking deal. Because if it's, if it's like 10 grand. <laughs> okay. Because otherwise, I, I couldn't do it. Because I, I would just rather spend the money on one that's uh, the way I want it. So if it's 10 grand, would you be considering doing a transmission swap? I mean, the internet tells me you can manual swap cars in a weekend, so... Right. Um, I know our buddy Jordan with his 850s having problems with that, so... Well, he also had a couple issues that are unrelated to it being a manual swap. He had an issue with it being, you know, New England rusted parts... And then he had an issue with somebody sold him the wrong part. Yeah. So that's that's not related to the swap directly, I don't think. Yeah, but it's not as easy as they say, is my point. It's never right. as simple as just... Well, I feel like an NSX wouldn't be too bad because it's that transverse engine in the rear. It's the same as, you know, I don't know, whatever the V6 front-wheel drive Acura was at the time. That came with a manual or the V6 Accord transmission, maybe. I, I don't know if the ratios are different or not. Again, I'm speaking out of turn because I don't know. Um, but I feel like it wouldn't be too bad. Like the parts should theoretically bolt in. Maybe the, sh- the clutch assembly would be the hardest thing. You'd have to source one, but I, 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 don't, I would not want to keep it as an automatic. We'll put it that way. No, no. It there's, would, probably, it would increase multiple, its value. Yeah, there's multiple reasons. Number one, it would be less enjoyable to drive, I think. Yeah. Um, and number two, I'd be embarrassed to not have deep window tint because I wouldn't want anybody walking up and seeing the automatic shifter in my NSX. <laughs> I feel like because I would walk up to NSX and I would judge it based on the transmission being wrong. So I feel like that since I'm an asshole, everybody else would be as well. I'd have to change it. I mean, I'd be more willing to like you know, uh, like a TME Evo, I guess if it was like silver and not red or blue, I'd, see, I'd still, I'd still be into it. Yeah. I don't see color as much of a compromise because when it comes yeah. to, when it comes to vintage cars and used cars, you're not always able to choose. You have to kind of, you get what you get, you know, like I probably wouldn't have chosen a red eclipse but here we are with a red eclipse because it's what was available and it's, you know, I wasn't going to not buy it. You know, I think color is less of an issue unless we're talking about like something that's grotesque, like a pink or something. I don't know that I would care. It's hard to say. Like, uh, I would, I would be more inclined for like a Piero Evo 
uh, versus like the NSX scenario here because those could be had, I believe, in a manual. Nope. No? Nope. All automatic. You sure? Pretty positive. Pretty sure you can get a manual. I don't think so, but somebody will correct us, whichever one of us is wrong. But, I mean, that truck, I would just take it in whatever version I could get, as long as it's BRO Evo. Yeah, for sure. I don't care what color it is, although red would be sick. Um, I, I, it wouldn't matter to me. I don't know. Well, there's no quick, easy um, answer to that, but I'd have to look. I figured Wikipedia would tell me, but... And then you would tell me that it was not a good source, but that's okay. It doesn't tell me anyway. I don't know. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, the other question we did have from Sigma Woodcraft. Sigma underscore Woodcraft. What are some weird car configurations you wish you owned? Common vehicle that has some interesting options. Uh, he says, I'm still looking for a two-door manual EcoBoost Ford Explorer. That part of the question confused me. Only because of the word EcoBoost. When was the last time they made a two-door Ford Explorer? Uh, I don't know. Pre-EcoBoost, right? I think so. Yeah, I don't. I can't picture a Ford Explorer with an EcoBoost and a two-door. I remember back in the early Explorer days, they made a two-door Explorer, and you can get it with a manual. The EcoBoost, I'm not sure of because I thought that was a more recent thing and only when the Explorer became more of a, I don't know. But anyway, have you had any weird configurations that you've owned? Um, I mean, wish I owned? I guess like, I don't know. My Alltrack's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, the green of, of a brown is neat. Color the, the manual, like yeah. that's going to be a car that people are going to look for. I think so. Um, uh, same thing with Stephanie's Crosstrek. It's it's the blue that they're all coming in now. Yep. The, the cool khaki gray, but I think the take rate on a manual is probably not very high. Yep. So having that car as a manual is uh is makes it pretty unique. So. So wish I had, I would you know not to be on a, on a Cressida theme, but I'm on a total Cressida theme in my brain right now. Um, a third gen Cressida, like I used to have the 85, 86, 87, 88 body style, the more square one, they call it the MX 73. Yeah. I'd like to have one of those in a factory manual setup because mm-hmm. they came with the W 58 and a limited slip rear and you can get them with the Toyota electronically managed suspension system. And they were like a legitimate, like pretty much M five competitor of the time. So I'd love to find one of those, but those are super rare. Um, the Cressida I did have of that body style was weird because it was the single color green exterior with a green velour interior and a digital dash. Which yeah. That was weird to get a digital dash car without having a leather. So that was kind of weird. Um, though, what else did I have that was weird? My A4 was very strange. I had that 2001 A4, which was a 100% loaded car with a sport package. Yeah. But it also had the HID headlights, the sunroof, and heated cloth interior. So it had every option. And then they actually, they had to option out the leather and go back to cloth. 
because the car should have come factory with leather. So that was a weird combo. I mean, I've had a few weird ones because even my first car, my 85 Cutlass, you know, it was a 3.8 probably, if I remember correctly. It was a little V6. Uh, made zero power with a two barrel. It came with the quarter Landau top. Like the back half of the roof was that like vinyl squishy yeah. material. And it was specced out factory with wire hubcaps. But inside the car, it had velour buckets, a center console with a floor shifter, and it had the rally gauges, which are round gauges. So it had the speedometer and tachometer were two dual rounds. Um, when most calluses of the time had the ribbon band speedometer and no tachometer. So it was weird to get that interior in a V6, not in a, you know, Hearst Olds or (laughs) something along those lines, the 442 or one of those. But so it was, that was a really weird combo. I've never actually seen another one. I've never seen a V6 car with a center console and floor shift ever and a G body. Well, both our Galants are non-sunroof cars, mm-hmm. which was a lot of them were sunroof cars. A lot more of them were sunroof cars, and a lot of the non-sunroof cars were bought and turned into rally cars. <laughs> yeah, and mine came with a factory black grill, which a lot of people don't believe me that it's factory, right? Um, but when you look it up, when I went to the dealer and you looked it up at ASA caps, and you clicked on grill, the little caption for the comment was black. Hmm. For whatever reason, it came with a black one. Yeah, mine is chrome. Yeah, yeah. Most of them are chrome, but mine is black, or I think some of them are even body color. Interesting. That's a weird option yeah. package. I think it was just they had this grill. That's what on the car. Hmm. Who knows? Yeah. I, uh, you know, actually, my '84 Starion is weird because it has the the Velnas system. Yep. Um, which I've never seen on another Starion ever. It wasn't standard, even on the ES package. The car is. So we've had we've had some weird. Actually, the Velnas system is probably the reason that car still exists, because I didn't get rid of it because I wanted to keep that system going in something else because it's so neat and I don't know rare if it's rare of its time. I've never seen another one functional. I I do know somebody who unfortunately has passed now, but he had a pair of them that he got from you know various junk cars or people online that he was trying to wire into a another Starion. So I know of two non-functioning systems that exist, but I've only ever seen the one in my car. So, yeah, this this is some weird stuff. My Camaro's got some weird options. Um, you know, that was a it was an SS three hundred and fifty, which is like you know you're gonna spend money to get the SS three hundred and fifty in a convertible, but then he optioned it for nothing else. So, it's got manual windows, manual steering, radio delete basic black interior, you know, no, no options other than the, the 350, um, 375 horse, oh, sorry, 350, 375 horse. I don't know, whatever it is. I forget now. It's been so long. Like a bad Camaro owner. I can't remember the options the car has, but it's a 350 with a quadrajet, a four speed transmission. Come on. You don't know your RPO codes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I've only owned yeah, the car. Memorized. I, you know, I'm on a board that you put in front of the car when you go to car shows. The car has only been in the family since I was eight years old. So I should know this by now, but I forget. Um, but it has so just the performance options and then the upgraded disc brakes in the front. And that's it. There's zero other options. Everything was deleted off the option sheet. 
So <laughs> it's kind of a, a bizarre one too, but that was because the guy who bought it had to buy it to a price point. He was given X amount of dollars to buy a car for his quote unquote company car. So he's like, all right, that's what I want. I want a 350 four speed convertible. Also, I want it to stop. Anything else? Get rid of it. So my dad's S10 was interesting. His old one they had. Yeah, it's the only one I've ever seen set like that. Yeah, and I I remember I think he'll probably tell me after this that because they bought it new in '89 off the lot, but that somebody ordered it and then canceled it. So then the dealer still got it. Right. And it, and it it's it was a two door, black top, tan bottom, but with steel wheels. Yeah, and, and cloth trim rings and, and cloth. cloth interior. Yeah. Normally you saw the the two tone on like a top of the line truck with the typical S10 five spoke alloys and and a and a um, four three V6. Yep. Well, that's the higher option V6 because they had a two point eight as well. Mm-hmm. So that's actually, no two point eight. That's what was in my cutlass. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know. Yeah, I I've never seen another one like that ever. It's funny because this is all the kind of stuff we kind of laugh about when we watch like a, you know, an auction on TV or something where it's like, this is a, a one of a kind car because it was, you know, red over red with a 311 rear gear and a posi and a four barrel and built on the 11th of March with a white shift knob. Like, it's the only well, that's one like that a, combination. Yeah, that's like a super American thing to right. have all that. To but know all the specs of the car. That's kind of where the road we're going down. It's like it was a black over gold with steel wheels and cloth. Like we never saw it like that. It's a one of one, <laughs> but nobody cares because just our our dumb cars in our own lives. It's just we. You, you can start having those conversations about like you can make anything one of one if you dig deep enough. <laughs> yeah, but then then also I've had cars where they're like exact copies of other cars, like. Oh, for sure. Uh, the Montero, there's like, so how many tan Monteros are there? They're like so many tan ones. They're all the same. Yep, all the same color. Or I had a, a silver GTI. I think that 90% of GTIs were silver GTIs, so. Yeah. Uh, blue, I blue, World Rally Blue WRX, so. That's true. Yep. Although that car had a sunroof, which was kind of rare. And your uh, Electron Blue Pearl SI, which is just the color NSI is supposed to be. Yeah. So. But it had that. Some don't have rear spoilers. That had a rear spoiler. Your SI did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which I think was, rise. a I think it was a dealer option. I think that's why. I've seen a lot of them, so I figured it was a factory part. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a popular dealer option, but I don't think it was. Uh, I don't know. I've seen some with and without, but. So the question you asked of people, you know, based on me buying my Cressida back, was you know, hey, have you guys ever bought a car back? And uh, we had a pretty good number of people that responded uh, between our Facebook page and our Instagram page that uh, said they had. So it's not completely uncommon. Uh, there was an X19 Fiat that was uh, bought back at one point by somebody. Um, our friend Frank down in Florida said he used to be in the Volkswagen Beetles and was always buying them back, which I think is a common thing with Volkswagen Beetles. That sounds really common. You just yeah. kind of trade them around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Miles said that he has, has never bought an old car back, but he bought a similar one as a vain attempt to recapture his youth. <laughs> so I get I get that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there's, there's a good a good amount of some that have and some that haven't. So I'm not. I'm not Steve has been trying to get his uh, Corolla wagon back. Yeah, do you know what that Corolla wagon was? 
I know what it was. And I, yeah. I remember seeing him sell it and I was like, uh, I really wish you weren't going to do that. Yeah. I really wish I was in the position to buy it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a rad car. Cause it was the exact scroll I was talking about earlier, the TE 72 body style, the early eighties. And it was a wagon and it was a factory wood grain car. Uh, I've, there I've we only, go. I, there's some unique options right there, right? Yeah. I only know of another one in my entire world of being into vintage Japanese cars that has a wood grain, um, a wood grain option on the, on the, on the car. So it wasn't standard at all. I know like the seventies Colts, it was super standard. You know, they all came with a wood grain almost, almost without option, but it was an option, but it seems like most of them had the option. Um, there is one other, uh, one other one out there somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. And I think, you know, it may not even, hmm. yeah, it may not even have a full wood grain. It might just be a wood grain fender. And now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think that Steve's car was a TE 72. Was it earlier? Was it a TE 38? Like a 78? Dude, dude, I don't know. No, sorry. <laughs> just, that was an old Corolla. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry, Steve, you can correct me later. It's either a TE72 or a TE38. So it's either like a 77 to 79 or it's like an 81 to 85 body style. So sorry, mm-hmm. I just got way too nerdy for everybody. I apologize. <laughs> I had I had my manager at work the other day. So I am... A, I work for an insurance company. I manage a team of six appraisers. And we were in a meeting with all of the team managers like myself and our senior manager. And we were talking about something. And I had a similar experience like right there where I got really nerdy because I knew something about a car and I was able to whatever. I don't remember how the conversation happened. But... um my boss in front of everybody called me uh, a resident rain man. <laughs> and I wasn't sure whether to be complimented or not complimented. <laughs> so I think it's a compliment <laughs> as long as I don't dig too deep into it. Right. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with it. I'll be the resident rain man, I guess. Or savant. He didn't say he, uh, he, he didn't say rain man. I think he said savant. All so, right. Well, savant's fine. Yeah, I think I think I added rain man because I automatically added idiot to it, but he didn't say that, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> Either way, it was like, oh, I should stop because nobody needs to know this stuff. It's not important. Nobody's mm-hmm. nobody's absorbing what I'm saying right now because I've gone too deep. Possibly. Um, yeah. Whatever. Life goes on. That's why we have a podcast, so I can talk about it. If somebody cares, they can listen. And if they don't care, then they can move on to the next thing. A lot of people do, and that's fine. Yeah. Listen or don't listen? Uh, both. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. I don't have anything else to talk about today, Andrew. Is there any important stuff, car stuff going on? Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee, first event of the season. Uh, I should have looked it up. I think it's Sunday. She usually does the 
uh, Malin usually does the events on Sundays, so that sounds usually. right. Uh, let's just look it up on Facebook if you're local in New England. Yep, it's Southern it. New Hampshire Cars and Coffee LLC is what it's under on yeah. Facebook. It's so pretty yeah. easy to find. Yeah, it's she's not, got all the events up for the season. It's not the Seacoast Cars and Coffee, which is... Nope. No, uh, Malin's is free. You can yeah. just show up and uh, yeah, Sundays, hang out, be Sun- cool, and then leave. Sunday's the first show. Yep. So, yeah, unfortunately, the other one up there um, that I already mentioned the name of once, so I won't again, has gone to a pay-to-show kind of deal. It's not cool for Cars and Coffee, right? It's weird. I don't know what they're going for. So here's the thing. They had a Cars and Coffee. It was pretty successful because it was a decent location, easy to get to. Lots of people showed up. Um, They went to the point where they – it was at a a mall parking lot. So they they rented a spot in the mall – for a actual like coffee shop. I think it was like a, they were trying to do the shared workspace thing too. At one point. Yeah. It was all pre pre COVID obviously. So the thing is though, is that obviously mall rental is like, I don't know. I think they pay you to have a storefront right now because malls are empty and dying. So either that, or they see this new person come along like, here's a sucker. Let's make them pay the rent for everyone else. Yeah. Maybe that too. So anyway, so they built this building inside and they were going to consign cars out of it and do a coffee shop and a shared, it was a whole thing. And it seemed like a bad idea um, because it wasn't like, it was a mall. Too much. Yeah. If you want, if you want to have a coffee themed or a car themed coffee thing, you'd want to have it somewhere where people can arrive in their cars and not be in a mall parking lot. Like you can't drive into the coffee shop because it's it's in a mall. <laughs> or up to it. It was like, yeah. yeah, it was deep in the mall. It wasn't like, it's not like it, 4 till 4. It didn't have a, it didn't have a storefront. Yeah, it didn't have a storefront in the street, exactly. Whereas, again, yeah, like you said, 4 till 4 is a Porsche-themed coffee shop. They can have car shows because they're literally on the street and they have a parking lot. And they do it early Saturday mornings and nobody's around because it's like a business district. So it's perfect. So yeah. I don't understand the premise of it. But now this year... Their cars and coffee, they're charging an admission. And my best guess is because they need to pay rent for their building. Yeah, they claim like insurance and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. I, well, sure. they have to pay rent I, for their building. <laughs> That's the biggest thing I think they have to deal with. And they're like, you know, we, you know, we, we want to keep running these for people. But it's like, then don't have a coffee shop that can't sustain itself because nobody goes to the coffee shop to... I, maybe I'm talking out of turn. I, I don't live in that part of the country anymore. I haven't been. I'd be interested to go to that mall on in like the middle of the week and see if anybody is patronizing this this coffee shop at all. And it it well from the pictures I remember it wasn't even like a coffee shop coffee shop. It was like uh, carafes of coffee. Like it wasn't like you go talk to a barista. They make you a fresh coffee. So it was like free coffee in the lobby of the hotel yeah okay yeah that's it's weird i i i I honestly i would love to open like my own like coffee shop slash shared workspace with like shared garage space that would be really cool but that's obviously like a huge endeavor and not something i probably ever do but I can't imagine this business model being <laughs> sustainable, which is why they have this car show that brings in three, 400 cars. They charge them all 10 bucks at the door. 
then you know you do the math that's what 40 grand yeah i think you know in your head you want the vibe of a cool coffee shop yeah but like that's a lot of work oh 100% right? like running a coffee shop alone as a coffee shop is a lot of work and then you yeah. want to have like this like shared garage space attached in the back with like workspace in the front and like that's that's two separate businesses like i'd love to do it that's what i'm saying it's not something i'll probably ever do cuz it's not really a sustainable thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe I shouldn't be talking about it on air because somebody will steal my idea. Oh, I think it already happens. I it's already happened. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I've never been to one. I don't know how they are. I don't know how that works. You need, like, well, I think it's you need to make it accessible enough. Uh, Ten minutes for hardware is like four thousand dollars. My math is not good. Um, I think you need to make it. The coffee shop has to be accessible enough that non-car people go. And that's how four till four is successful. They have a coffee shop called four till four, which if you look at a clock, four till four is three fifty six. There's a Porsche connection, but the general public doesn't care. They're like, oh, four till four. Here's a good coffee shop with good coffee. I'll go there. You know, and then there's some yep. Porsche stuff on the wall, but they don't really even put two and two together. Oh, I was I was talking about like uh, the shared like workspace, shop space things, or people like the DIY like garages that are things. That- yeah. I'm not sure how those work. I've never tried one. I never used one. Uh, they seem to like pop up and then kind of disappear. So I'm not sure. There's, if that's a, a, there's thing. a couple in California I know of that have been successful. Uh, there's a motorcycle one that's really successful. They call it the recycle garage. That makes sense. Yeah. Motorcycles don't take up a lot of space. You won't tie yeah. up a lift with a motorcycle. Right. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, to me, and we've talked about this. Cars and coffee is like a, it should be a casual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the more casual, the better. Just yeah, literally, and and even less. The smaller it is, the better. Yeah, literally, cars and coffee. Like that's all you need. You don't need to have any other elements to it. You don't need and and this, the the uh, Seacoast one last year, and the year before, they always had vent like a vendor row. Like it's not. I don't. I'm not going to a cars and coffee early on a Sunday morning to be accosted by a salesman trying to sell me a new Jeep. Um, like, yeah. If you have like a food truck or something, that's cool. Well, you should have it at coffee a coffee truck. shop. And then yeah, but, if you can't have a coffee shop, have a coffee truck. Exactly. Food truck, coffee truck, whatever. Breakfast but truck. I don't, I don't want to go to a thousand car cars and coffee. It's kind of like, I don't know that kind of kills the vibe for it. Like there's too many people. Yeah. Well, we, used to do a, we do a we do a split east coast it. east coast west coast uh, casual gathering of auto off topic people. Like, hey, I'm gonna get coffee here. Meet up, and if nobody shows up, great. You got a cup of coffee. People show up, great. You had some car talk with a couple people. So, yeah, yeah. That's probably the best. I I think, and you know, a, a destination drive is, you know, have, have this place that's somewhere it's fun to get to, some back road somewhere, and. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a flex that people are trying to have that's saying, oh, we have this Cars and Coffee that has like, you know, 1,200 cars or something, or I don't know what it is. Yeah, we just want casual conversation, get good cars. And if you have a smaller group, you usually have a more niche group for yourself. Like, you don't need. But even then, there's like, I've seen a couple meets, quote unquote, meets advertised for around here. They want to have like, you know, 500 plus cars. And this is like in March. 
Yeah. Or uh, in, sorry, in May coming up in May. I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to be around. I'm not ready to be around 400 people. I'm not even as worried about the people, you know, at this point in life. It's just, um, it's outside, but still it's the problem is you have 500 cars in a parking lot and you don't, and these people that have these quote unquote meets, they don't get permission. And then everybody shows up and is ready to have a good time. And then they can't because the cops come in and throw you out because it's a private lot. You don't have permission to be there. You know, it's, it needs, there's a lot more to it than these pop-up events on Facebook, you know, I, you know, and that's part of just pop. Sorry. That just popped into my head. One of the best ones we ever went to was, I think it was probably like 2005, 2006. Um, There was one like out like in Worcester. Uh, Springfield kind of type area. It was like off of forums. It was off of like Boston Motorsports forums and like mass tuning, not mass tuning. What was before mass tuning? Uh, There was Boston Motorsports and there was... Mass Driven. Mass Driven. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, And it was this huge, remember it was this huge meet. Like they were just like, oh, just go to the strip mall on like a Saturday. And the place was like overrun with cars. Like they totally weren't expecting it. Like the strip mall people that like all these stores... Like if if you just were like happen to go there, you're like a normal person that oh I needed to go to whatever it was a Target or something yeah uh, I, there was like a Chili's or something and maybe it was oh a yeah Kidoba. you know what? I I do remember this because it would it would have been probably oh five because like I had my Evo you had your Evo I had yeah. my SI yeah said like oh oh four for oh four oh six and you know what the pre- funny, the funny thing yeah, was was pre- then there was no burnouts there was no two-step there was no shenanigans it probably was some burnouts towards the end but i remember just being chaos right (laughs) but see see, showed up that if that happened now i wouldn't be happy (laughs) like maybe it's because i'm old but i don't want chaos i want a controlled smaller event so here's a good what's happening out here there's there's a i think it's next weekend there's a a marijuana shop that's hosting a car show. Okay. I mean, whatever. Marijuana is now legal here. They have a legitimate business. They want to host a car show. That's fine. However, where I take issue with this, and listen, I'm not going to be Mr. Narc here. Like, I'm not going to be Mr. You shouldn't smoke weed. Whatever you do, you do you. It's legal. It's no worse than alcohol. Fine. If I had a car show at a liquor store, I wouldn't expect to go there and receive free samples, would you? Uh, no, okay. no, that wouldn't go over well. Uh, so I mean, this car show I've, at the marijuana store is giving a free pre-roll and edible to every car entry. Okay. It seems like a horribly bad idea because now you're going to get people there that are into cars. Maybe a lot of them are not regular marijuana smokers or edible eaters. What's going to happen if you give some... Well, for lack of a better word, we'll call them an older gentleman in his 55 Chevy with his 1100 horsepower supercharged small block. Get him baked at your car show. Hey, you know, hey, hey, drive out of here, man. That's cool. Have a good day. Maybe maybe he's into it. You don't know that. And maybe he is. Again, I'm not again. I'm I'm not being Mr. Narc here. I'm not passing judgment. I just think it's a poor business decision and a poor general life decision to give a bunch of people who aren't actively seeking your goods, your goods when they provide an altered state and they're driving a car there. 
just just seems weird. weird, right? I mean, I have this this general feeling that it'll probably be the biggest car show of the year because people like free stuff and a lot of people like weed. So I have a lot of people there. I'll tell you one thing for sure. I'm not bringing a car there. I'll go spectate this thing, but I'm not. I'm not into it. Seems like a bad yeah, idea. I'd bring, I'd bring a car there. All right. I mean, you know enough time to have it before you leave. <laughs> Andrew's like, all right, man, it's time to go home, guys. Good oh, show. Nice. See you tomorrow. I mean, these new edibles, they are strong. It's safe to be careful. Anyway, um, I, I don't I don't think it's a it's a wise move to have a a, a bunch of baked attendees at your show when you don't know how it's going to act. Mm. We'll see what happens. I'll watch from afar. Hopefully nobody crashes the cars. It would probably be fine. I'm just being an old man. But yeah, you're way older than you are. Whatever. Life goes on. <laughs> let let them do what they'll do. Let them eat edibles instead of cake. But I don't know. It just seems like a bad idea. I remember there being issues at brewery events in the past. So I think that issues at edible events would probably be bad too. So. Anyway, Anyway, on that note, uh, the big thing happening here this weekend is 4 till 4 on Saturday. Um, if you're an early riser and have a vintage Japanese car or want to come, come hang out with people who do, we're meeting at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's like prime old guy time, getting so up that early. Called, we got to get a good, gotta get our good spots. So... We're meeting up. Do they fit in that trunk with that subwoofer in there? Well, I had to take it out because it was rattling. Okay. Um, we're going to meet up at 6 a.m. at the In-N-Out on 20th Street in Camelback. And, uh, I mean, gonna, I'm, in, I'm in for In-N-Out. I wish they had breakfast. Yeah, they don't have breakfast. <laughs> Unfortunately, they'll be closed. Um, so we're going to meet up at 6 a.m. at In-N-Out at 20th Street in Camelback and all roll down together. Um, there'll be a couple people doing photographs and stuff and rolling shots in the interstate and stuff. So it should be, should be kind of neat. So, and if you don't want to get up that early, then four till four in downtown Scottsdale is, uh, usually get starts getting busy around right around eight o'clock. If you want a parking spot, I suggest you get there before eight o'clock. So, I mean, I'll be up for three hours by the time you guys are. <laughs> right. That's cause yeah. Three hours, 3 AM six. So you're getting up at six. Okay, then you're all right. So, prime old guy time. See, you're in the same boat as me. <laughs> Whatever. The uh, the closer I creep to forty, then here we go. Right, I may as well start being start being middle aged. Six a.m. starts on Saturdays. It's like those uh, those progressive commercials. The don't be your parents. <laughs> it's amazing how much you become your parents when you get older. And it's not a bad thing. Like my dad's a great guy, but. Sometimes you sit back and you're like, wow, I sound just like my father. You actually do sound like him. Oh, I mean like actual like tone of my voice? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. But, I mean like things I'll say now. I'll be like, oh, that's definitely that's definitely <laughs> my dad. It's definitely my dad. Whatever. I can't think of a better role model, right? We'll be good. Nope. All right. Anyway, uh, follow us on all the uh, usual places. Yes, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Auto Off Topic on all of them. Yep. TSISS350 on Instagram is me. And I am Erased in Anger. 
I think I'm going to change that, Andrew, by the way. You're going to change mine? No, mine. <laughs> oh, whoa. Whoa, this is news. Yeah, I think so. So what are you gonna do? I don't I don't know yet. It's gonna be something that's easier for people to remember. See the eclipse? No, it's gonna be something uh, that's easy. Cult? I hate you so much right now. It's gonna be something that's easier for people to remember. Because I realize that when I tell somebody to like it's it's almost like a main point of identity now when you meet somebody new that's in like the car space. Is like, oh, I think I've seen your car on Instagram. What's your username? zero. It doesn't like it's not simple and easy and roll off the tongue, you know. See, I was into branding way a long time ago. So apparently, well, again, my username goes all the way back to our early forum days. So I just kind of stuck with it from the beginning to the end. And in the early forum days, I didn't know it would be tied in any way to my actual personal identity. I mean, so, you didn't have to. You could have changed it a while ago. I, but hey, I'm a creature of habit. I don't like change. So. All right, so send suggestions to us for Brad's new username. Yes, you definitely should. Um, I will not do a. I will not promise that the most votes will win because I do not want to be a Bodie McBoatface situation. Brady McBradface. <laughs> Brady McBradface, exactly. So that will not happen. But I definitely need to uh, to get with the times a little bit and make my identity something that can be remembered or easier to say. Maybe I'll just go by Brad. There's probably not one of those on Instagram already. <laughs> just <laughs> somehow got Brad on Instagram. Nobody has it. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little ridiculous. Um, and I'm sure it's not true, but B underscore R underscore A underscore D. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna go for Brad, see what happens. You do like old car Brad. No, it sounds terrible because then people go say Old Car Brad. But am I old car Brad or my old Comrade, old old comrade. <laughs> hmm. There's already a Brad X chassis. So that can't Brad be. X chassis. Well, yeah, he's a Cressida he's a Cressida guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. I do have to change it though. So yes, send some legitimate suggestions in, and we'll see what I can do. But analog analog car, Brad. Analog cars. There you go. I don't know. Anyway, enough enough pandering out, uh, sputtering on about nothing here. Let's end the show. Uh, I'll come up with a new name. I have some suggestions. Maybe I'll read them all. Brad hates LEDs. Brad Brad does hate LEDs. Brad loves subwoofers. Brad hates weed car shows. Anyway. All right. Andrew, have an excellent rest of your week, and we'll see you all next week. Yeah, so keep your cards analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.